Hey guys, you got Christina Gilchrist here, also known as the Dialysis Warrior Blind Chick. And I'm here with my Moosey boy, my Moose the Pomsky service dog. And. Hey, uh, what about me? Oh, yeah, I have Michael Gilchrist is here. The caretaker. And this is Living on Dialysis podcast. And this is a disclaimer we are not doctors. This is just the opinion of Living on Dialysis Facebook group. And always follow up any advice you have with your team and your doctors. And again, this is just an opinion. So if you don't like it, tell me yours. Bye. Hi, guys. Welcome to the podcast. This is Michael. And Christina. And... We well, I am just so excited about our guest this week. How about you, Mike? I am. I've been talking to her for quite a while, and she's uh, pretty kick-ass. Okay, I totally agree. We have with us Keely Page, and she is the pregnant pregnant lady. The pregnant lady. Hi guys. Oh my gosh, we're so happy to have you. So oh, thank you guys so much for having me. <laughs> no. So tell us, um, so I know you announced yourself as pregnant lady on the page. And so go ahead and tell us your, your dialysis story of how you got started, stuff like that. Just everything. Okay. All right. So let's see. So in 2019 is when I was diagnosed, actually, the day after Christmas, 2019. Um, oh, I yeah. have been sick from some really long time. I would say like 2019 for about six months. I had no idea what was going on. You know, I was going to the hospital for high blood pressure, but nobody was actually checking my kidney function. I was like, I got so bad, guys. Like, I lost vision in my left eye, sharp shoulders in my right eye. Like, I couldn't see. Like, I couldn't eat. Like, I lost like 80 pounds immediately. And I wouldn't see anything because, for one, I was scared. I didn't want to upset my husband or my son. I didn't want to tell anybody how I was really feeling. Yeah. I was just, like, pushing through, like, oh, my gosh, like, what is going on? And one night, I just woke up, like, Christmas night, I woke up, and I ran into the wall. Bam, like, smack into the wall. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I went and laid down with my son, and I'm, like, hanging on to him for dear life. And I waited until the morning, and I woke up the next morning, and I told my husband, I was like, you got to take me to emergency. And he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, we got to go, like, right now. Like, I had him help me shower. Like, I was really bad, guys. Like, he had to help me shower, everything. We went. And, like, immediately when I got there, my numbers, my blood pressure was crazy. And they just took me to the back. I sat down for, like, five minutes in the chair. I had about 40 doctors rushing in. And they're like, how did you get here? Like, what's going on? Drawing your my blood like crazy. They came in and was like, you're almost dead. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean I'm almost dead? And they're like, yeah, like, you're bad. Like, they, immediately they thought, let's check her kidneys. They checked oh my, my kidneys and they were at 5%. <gasps> and they're like, um, yeah. They were like, so do you not pee? And I was like, no, like, I really don't. But I never thought, like, hey, like, I drink coffee in the morning. And I never thought, like, I don't pee this coffee out until, like, seven hours later. It never rang a bell to me. So that's how that started. I spent so three how, weeks. How old, is, how old is your son at this time? He was, he was... 13. No, okay. he was 12. Okay. He was 12. Yeah. 
So Were they able to I, tell you why this happened to your body? Like, do you have a condition or was this just kind of really, really bad luck? They told me that it was uncontrolled high blood pressure. And <sighs> the medication that my previous doctor had given me sped up the process of the kidney failure. Oh my gosh, that breaks my heart. Yes, and so it was so scary because it hadn't ran in my family. I hadn't heard of, like, you know, I've heard of kidney failure and stuff like that, but just for it to happen so quickly and after, like, so many times, like, I was in emergency all the time for, like, headaches and, you know, like, oh, my gosh, I got to go with my head or something, but it was never like, hey, like, let's check our kidneys to see what was going on. So in turn after Christmas. I spent all of New Year's. So my 2022 was brought in the hospital. I took three weeks in the hospital and I left with, you know, a dialysis tube. Oh my. You know, like tube inserted, done. They were like, we're not hearing anything. We're not letting you go home. Like, I was like, what? Like, I want to go home. They're like, no, like you got to stay here because you don't have any kidneys. So So when, when they, when you say a tube was inserted, are you talking a CBC or a PD tube? They inserted the PD tube okay. like immediately, like within like a week of me being in the hospital. They were like, oh. we're going to do the surgery. Well, you need to start dialysis like ASAP. Wow. So, Did they have you on a CVC at all? Huh? Did they place a CVC in your chest at all? No. No? Okay. No. They so, just went straight to peritoneal. It was... Wow. It okay. Was kind of like, I wasn't really sure. Like, my doctor was like, hey, you're kind of young. We think that this would be the best for you to just live a normal life. You know, it was all thrown at me so quickly. Yeah. It was just kind of what she suggested is what I went with. I was like, okay. She's like, I don't want to do this hemodialysis. I just want to do peritoneal. I think you'll be great at it. You know, more freedom and all this. And I was like, okay, fine. Just get it done. You know, it was very hard because <laughs> it was totally oh. life-changing, you know. It was something that I wasn't expecting. My family wasn't expecting. And... After yeah. All started. You like woke started up one day. Twenty twenty, and yeah, it's like just wake, like you said, just wake up one day, and it's like boom, your life is automatically changed. Yeah, that's a lot to handle. <laughs> yeah, and then it was right when the start of COVID too, so it was even more traumatic because as I'm getting out the hospital and trying to get back into moving oh. and you know trying to live life normally, the world is shutting down. So oh no! Like, oh my gosh, what is happening? <laughs> But in turn, you know, I wound up doing two and a half years on dialysis, peritoneal. Um, I did it. I did every day for eight to ten hour treatments. Okay. And what did it do for you? How did you feel? Um, At first, I felt horrible. Like, my first year was absolutely horrible. I still was swelling. You know, I, I didn't have any energy. I, I, it was just different. You know, I Aww. like it, it was really hard. It was like I couldn't, you know, one day I would just wake up and I couldn't. My feet are swollen. My face is swollen. Look like I got into a fight. I'm like, oh, my God, Aww. what's going on? You know, it was just a major adjustment. Yeah. So it was very trying. But once I got used to it, I mean, I started to feel better once I kind of got out of that well, it was me kind of slope, you know? Yeah, right? <laughs> I was like, I totally felt better. And then, you know, I began to, like, live again, start traveling again. Oh, that's good. Work. I mean, I did everything, and then... What, so what, do you, what do you do for work? Um, I am an import-export coordinator. Okay. I just 
get all the stuff in from the port and make sure all the custom documentations are good and all that crazy. Oh, okay. That's cool. I like that. All right. So, so, okay. So currently, what is your dialysis or kidney function and all that now? Okay. So as of right now, here's a little backstory of that part. So in April... I was like, went to the clinic for, for my normal monthly appointment, and they're like, hey, like, your kidneys are not doing good, because I wasn't producing urine still. Even with, you know, I was maybe producing, like, 700 milliliters per, you know, every three months or whatever, so it still wasn't doing great. And they're like, hey, like, your numbers aren't bad, but they aren't, like, how we want them to be. So in April, they were talking about going up on treatments and putting me on a 12-hour Oh, wow. Full cycle. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, how am I going to do that and work? Like, yeah. they're like, you yeah. can't. They're like, you really can't do that. I'm like, yeah. So it was funny because I'm like, oh, great. I'm all, what was me on that part, right? And then in May, I go back, and they're like, oh, your numbers are okay. You're getting better, right? June, I go back, and they're like, hey, like, your numbers are crazy good. They're like, what's going on? And I'm wow. like, I don't know. And they're like, um, maybe you should take a pregnancy test. And I was like... For what? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my <laughs> so I went up taking a pregnancy test, came up pregnant, and then June I spent like five days in the hospital with the transfer medications and everything. And actually, June twenty third was my last treatment. So as of right now, my kidneys are good. They're not as great as they should be. I'm still functioning at what half of a normal person was. Um, my creatine levels are like. 1.46 um oh, wow so i mean it's good compared to where it was you know yeah i got told that i was no longer in in-stage renal failure i was just with chronic kidney disease so that's currently where i'm at right now it's just with chronic kidney disease um so do they kind of crazy <laughs> so do they say why you improved? Is it because you're pregnant and your body? Yeah, is it the baby yeah, or? They did. They totally said it. it's the baby. They said that women's bodies tend to do crazy things when they're creating a new person. You know, when they're creating a new being. Um, when it happened, my nephrologist had no idea. She had to call around the nation to find out what was going on. How did this happen? Because technically, it's one in seven women get pregnant on peritoneal dialysis. It's near impossible, you know, and it's near impossible for you to go past your 12 weeks, but they think that it has something to do with the rejuvenating cells that the baby is creating okay. that is helping me to improve right now. See, and I've, I've, I've heard stories of women on dial- or diabetes where their mm-hmm. diabetes is fine when they're pregnant, and yeah. that's that's jaw-dropping. That's amazing. It, it is. I actually, my OBGYN um, that I'm currently going to, uh, which of course a high-risk OBGYN, was telling me that he had a patient just a couple years ago that had lupus. And when she got to like her third month, her third month pregnant, she no longer had lupus. Like she was cured. And oh my don't gosh. know why or how the body functions like that. So um, they have been told, you know, it's still a risk. Yeah. Crash after, but yeah. yeah, that's what I'm kind of wondering. Like, has has it come back for people, or is this like a permanent thing? 
Yeah, I mean, I've talked to a couple ladies, of course, on our page, on you guys' page and everything, and um, in the community, and they've given me their stories about it. And one lady said that she actually crashed before the baby, and then after she went back on dialysis, which is, if that happens, I'm totally okay with it because... You got a baby. Like, yeah, like, I feel like I got a little relief, you So know? You, you had your tube pulled and everything, right? Yes. Okay. That is, oh my gosh. Okay, so I want to give kind of a backstory of how I got introduced to you is we were on the page and you quickly became known as the pregnant lady. And it was actually cool as hell because anytime you do a post, like, hey, it's the pregnant lady. And um, <laughs> that's when we found out that Alyssa was pregnant. Yeah. And I reached out to you to see if you could call her or message her. Yeah. And kind of give her maybe a little peace of mind. So yes, I love her. She's like my best Right? I, like, I text her like once a week like, hey girl, yeah. like what's going on? I know. Like, She's she amazing. Such an awesome person. She like, really is. She's cool as hell. thankful for that connection. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, all right, so you have a 15-year-old now? Yes. Okay. Okay, wow. And am I allowed to ask your age? Um, yes, you can. I am 40. Okay. All right. Yeah, me too. Yeah, she... I'm a 15-year-old. So. Well, we, we just had an 18-year-old three she... days ago, two yep. days ago. Oh, so. And I'm so 40, funny. so my, my baby's 18. <laughs> All right. So what is your due date? I am due January 30th, Okay. And wow. you're going to name him Michael because you love the page? Well, it's a girl. Ah, so, so, Christina! <laughs> so, do you have a name picked out? Christina. No, I don't have a name. I okay. My husband shot down every single name that I love, so. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love it. You guys will find one. You'll, yeah, you'll find one that, that is perfect. Yeah, that's why I was like, well, just chill out on names for right now. I quit everything I loved. He's like, no. I was like, oh, forget it. <laughs> okay, well, this was a jaw-dropping story, and I only thought I knew. I, I I thought I knew your story. I had absolutely no idea that you went to well, you didn't need dialysis anymore. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah, it, it really is. It, it really is. It's you know, it's something that I am very thankful for. You know, and happy to share my story with you know a lot of people i've actually gotten calls from like the national kidney foundation and yes. stuff like that and they're just asking and i'm like dude i don't know what to tell you guys like they're like what did you do i'm like i don't know what i did like uh, i huh. just woke up pregnant well, like, and, and and that's <laughs> that's what's so crazy so yeah that's amazing oh, all right, so we we kind of try to wrap things up. Okay, but with... wait, wait. Let me ask you first. Okay. So we're kind of doing a thing on if we had known before it happened what we would change. So is there anything you would change? I assume there is, but what would you change if you had known better? I probably would have, one, and got a second opinion from another doctor. For two, I definitely would have stayed on top of my medication and stayed on top of my diet just a little bit more. Um, I never was big on salt, but I think that 
by me delaying my process of trying to push through, maybe if I would have went a little bit earlier, so, it wouldn't have been as bad. Yeah. So did you ever go back and look at blood work from previous? Of Did it gradually happen? Did it just... You, you, I went back and looked at blood work, Michael, and nobody ever tested for my kidneys. That's so crazy. I never had any kidney testing. Wow. Damn, that is so, so crazy. All right. It so, really was. <laughs> okay, girl. So, how are you living now off dialysis? I am living the same life. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Where where are you located? I am in Fontana, California. Oh, okay. Awesome. All right. Well, I just want to thank you for participating in the group. You have quick, like I said, you've quickly become the pregnant lady. You have been an inspiration to quite a few people that, especially Alyssa, I know you've given her peace of mind. And I just want to thank you for that. So. Absolutely. And so basically when you have the baby and all that stuff, you better be sending pictures. You have um, you have Christina's number now. So uh, we need updates. Yep. Abuse the hell out of it and text her. Yeah, do. I'll keep you just like I kept Alyssa. Yeah, sure. I appreciate you guys so much. You guys are so awesome. Christina, you are a girl. I can high-five you. I'm high-fiving you right now, girl. Well, I, I'm with you. Like, right back at you, lady. She is a pretty badass chick, so. All right, so uh, this is Michael. And Christina. And? The pregnant lady! Yeah! Woo! All right, see you guys. Bye. Bye. Okay, the woman king. The previews before this movie are the menu. It comes out November 18th. It is the one on the boat where the chef makes all the patrons part of the show. It's like a murder mystery type thing, but changed. They actually kill him? I don't know. Then then the next one is Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda Forever. comes out November 11th. Since the original Black Panther died from cancer, they went a different direction. And I think the sister has taken over, but this movie, of course, looks amazing. And then uh, this next movie is called Teal. It releases October 14th. It's actually the story about Mama Teal Mobley, the civil rights movement for her 14-year-old son being lynched. Um, Blows, it releases September 30th at Brother Sadie. And it's about two gay men with commitment issues, and they're attempting a relationship. Looks really funny. And then uh, this next movie, She Said, releases November 18th. It's about uh, investigating sexual harassment in Hollywood, and it's the Harvey Weinstein story. So it looks pretty good. Um, then Black Adam releases October 21st. It has Dwayne Johnson 
is Black Adam and basically a superhero but doesn't really care who he kills in the process. I really hope this is the movie that launches DC. Um, and I think they incorporate Shazam into this movie. And then the next preview is Smile. It releases September 30th. Have a birthday again, Sadie. Still have no idea what this is about, but I think it's basically kind of like The Ring, where you see a picture or a movie or something, and it ends up killing you. I don't know. And then uh, this one looks really good. I Want to Dance with Somebody. It releases December 21st. It's the Whitney Houston movie. Looks really good. And uh, I really love these, when they do these documentary-type movies of musicians and stuff. And then Devotion uh, comes out November 23rd. It's a story about the African-American pilot during the Korean War and becomes one of Navy's most celebrated pilots. And, of course, that stupid, 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 stupid Nicole Kidman AMC commercial. It is so dumb, it makes me want to punch babies and kick puppies. But uh, here is the trailer for The Woman King. An evil is coming. That threatens our kingdom. Our freedom. But we have a weapon. They are not prepared for. My king, the Europeans wish to conquer us. They will not stop until the whole of Africa is theirs. We must fight back. Okay, this is starring Viola Davis, Lashana Lynch, John Boyega, Sheila Atom, and it's directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood. It's a historical epic 
that is based in the alternate history of the kingdom of Dahomey, one of the most powerful states in Africa in the 18th and 19th century. I actually thought this movie was really good, and the fact that all the women were the warriors, well, there were men too, but this is a story about all the women, it was actually cool as hell. Christina? I loved it. Everyone should go see it. It's amazing. Girl power. Yeah, and we have to talk about Barbarian, because everybody thought I was kidding. I love this movie. I thought it was absolutely amazing. And I got all the friends to go see it. And they thought I was kidding. And Susie, they thought she was in on the joke. But she loved it too. So, Christina? It was awful. I expected an awesome horror film. Instead, I got a joke comedy. It wasn't a joke comedy. It was awesome as, awesome as hell and go see it. <laughs> all right, guys. This is uh, Michael. And Christina. And we are going to talk about things we wish we would have known. Which is such a big deal. It I is. I probably have thousands. And, that, and that's the thing is that this this could go on forever. We're just going to kind of go on some of it that we thought were really important. And like I said, we're probably missing thousands. So if you have more, let me know because the group needs to know as well. Yeah, so put them on the page or send them to us. Either way. Yep. All right, so we'll go ahead and start off with the first one, and that would be your female stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so um, when I started in Center, I got about like three or four months into it, and I stopped having periods completely. I... I honestly, I thought I had done something wrong. I don't know what it is, but... I always think I did something wrong to cause it. And so I did not want to go to my doctor because I thought I had screwed up on something. So I waited like a couple months and I knew I wasn't pregnant. So I finally went in and asked my doctor. And my doctor's so cute. His name's Dr. Agarwald. And anytime you'd have something happen like this, he would say, Oh, this could happen. And it was just, he was the most adorable guy. And I was like, oh, why didn't you tell me before it happened? So that's one thing. Like, if you stop having a menstrual cycle, you are fine. Talk to your doctors about it, but don't freak out. And uh, on the male side of that, if uh, your organ starts, stops working... Yep. That's part of dialysis also. Go talk to your doctors because it can be as easy as a pill. So, yep. uh, yeah, get your freak on. <laughs> All right, so the next one is um, wish I knew more about hypertension and uh, for us aircraft dummies, that means high blood pressure. Yeah, so. yeah. So it's insane. Like, I don't even know the percentage of people in the world right now that are walking around with high blood pressure but i almost guarantee the majority of them have no idea that it is actually killing their kidneys and it's something that's never told to anyone and and that even goes for the the interview that we had today you know yeah keely kelly keely keely uh sorry i butchered your name but uh she had high blood pressure and yeah you'd never know how long but and her like it blows my mind because literally she didn't even have a kidney condition high blood pressure is what took her kidneys down and 
how many of us are walking around with it? So and that that mentioned that that brings up an idea for me too. Of she mentioned that they never tested for it, and it floored me because today was probably one of the first times I've ever realized I have never asked about my kidney function. Yeah, I, I just assumed that was part of your blood test, and it's not. You have to ask your doctor, hey, run everything, run every single scenario, especially kidney disease, because yeah. it could be as easy as taking a high blood pressure pill. Yeah. And it makes me think, too, how many times do my doctor has said, hey, your blood pressure's creeping a little high. You know, yeah. it's, it, my blood pressure is always good, and I tell him to take it again, and my, my blood pressure is always great. But... How many times have we always said to our doctor, oh, it's fine. I don't want to take that pill. When you could be destroying your kidneys. Yeah. And like, I got really lucky that my doctor, he checked it the very first time I went to the hospital. But Keely today, like, where where would her kidney function be if that doctor had caught it the first time? Exactly. Or ran a simple test to find out your albumin. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. I albumin, started. creatinine. Yeah. yeah. I sounded smart. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> the next one is, wish I had more options on placing fissure and glass. Yeah. So, again, I don't know if this was just because I was young, but I think when you're initially starting out all of this, you are in such a fog and such a funk that you just do what you're told. And now I'm regretting having having done that like I should have and this the sad thing is I should have advocated for myself and said wait a minute is this the best you can do well and also one we shouldn't have had it tied off we should have got a second opinion and we're going to expand on the second opinion thing yeah second opinion but one your doctor just placed it in your high elbow area when you could have easily, you know, and, and honestly, that could have been the only place for it. Yeah. But we could have got a second opinion of, no, you can't put it in your list. Because start as well as possible. Yeah. Especially if you're young. But no matter what, start as well as possible. Yeah. Because you don't realize that you're, you're done. You're losing options. Yeah, you're done using that arm for needle pokes, for blood pressures, for pretty much absolutely everything on that side yep. so if you dialysis patients know how often you get poked with needles just for labs at the doctor that other arm is getting torn up it is and also another thing like when you are getting ivs or when you're getting your blood drawn try to always have them do it in your hand i know a lot of hospitals don't like it it's really uncomfortable for washing your hands but if you ruin those upper veins that can also be a problem with fistula placement. I have a vein that is just solid, but it is covered in scar tissue. So I don't know if we'll ever be able to use it. Yep. All right. And we're going to go on this one. Wish I knew more home options. Yes. Do you want to expand on that? Oh, yeah. So I'm sure everybody knows my story. And when I was... 24 and I started dialysis and went in center I I regret so much 
not finding out all my options, not talking to that doctor and saying, hey, how can we make this work? I missed out on so many years of my daughter's life where I was just in a fog. I didn't feel like myself. I was a zombie. And that's such a bummer because there were options available. I just didn't know it. Well, and you would not believe how many people we we talk to that say, I've been told I can't do home hemo because I have low vision or no vision. or yep. And it it kind of irritates me because it was less than a year ago that they were hesitant about you going home on home hemo. Yeah. And, and like, we all have different vision, you know. We all have different things that we can actually sit down and plan ahead and work around these obstacles. We all have a possible caretaker that may just stand there as backup. See, and the biggest thing, too, is if InCenter works for you, great. Yep. But you know what works better? Christina laying in her own bed, sleeping while she's doing dialysis. Yes. And it's... uh, Adjustable bed where she can sit up and stuff like that. But she's home. She's... Go ahead. It's interesting because I was on a Zoom call, well, a Teams call today. And they were talking about how if you... If someone on home hemo goes into the center and you talk to those patients, they will say, no way are you on home hemo. No way are you doing the same thing as me. People in center don't realize that there's even a difference in how they look. Yeah, and there was a lady that was talking to me just the other day that her grandma back in the 70s used to tell her that there was a bumblebee stuck in her arm. And she thought that was the funniest thing, and she never realized until she got on the group that that was a fissure, that the buzzing of the bee was the thrill of the fissure or graft. Imagine it was a fissure, but... Which is so cute, but someone should have told her a little bit sooner. Well, (laughs) yes, and, you know, she, she just remembers her grandma, the buzzing bee and this huge machine in her house, and she was doing home hemo. And it yep. was just what grandma did. So, yeah, uh, talk to people. Know your options. Know all yeah. of your options. Whether you want to stay in center or not, look at videos. Look at options. For talk sure. to people. Because, again, every single time you dread going to dialysis or you're cramping, just think, yep. I could just be doing this in bed. At night while I'm sleeping, PD. Yeah. It's a so, world of difference, so at it, least speak up, ask your questions. I don't care if they're dumb or not. Ask them. Yep, and ask them twice. Yep. All right, so uh, the next one is kidney transplant is not a fix-all. Yeah, so um, when I went into kidney failure in the beginning, I was under the belief that if you got a kidney transplant, you're done with kidney failure. Like, life is going to be perfect. You're going to go back to living your life the way you did before and I got a huge huge smack in the face when my body rejected that kidney and it took me a long time to realize that kidney transplants they're an option just like home hemo is just like PD is they are all treatments you can select the treatment that works best for you 
but getting a kidney does not end all. Well, you have to still maintain your numbers, stay on top of everything, and do everything. Take it, your pills on time, everything. And it also doesn't cure your disease. It doesn't. You know, you still have something that made you have high blood pressure. You still have the mutated chromosome yep. thing that you have. Yeah. You know, and they didn't realize that. And we're all different. Like, when we go down there, we hear and we talk to people that are like, oh, I've had this kidney for so long. And that is incredible. That's amazing. But just being a little prepared that that may not be your story is important. Yeah, exactly. And this kind of expands on the transplant, all the crazy stuff that comes with it after transplant. Yeah. Um, the the pills, price of anti-rejections. Anti-rejections. Uh, that special pill you had to take for like three months. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what that one's called. I can't either. It was crazy expensive. Yeah. Uh, you all probably know what I'm talking about. But yeah. If not, look it up because be prepared for that. Yeah. And was... like be prepared that you may have to pay all that before you leave the hospital. I, after I got my surgery, they put me on the crazy high steroids. And literally the day after I had it, my financial lady from the hospital came in and she was telling me I couldn't leave unless I paid $1,500 for pills. And before that, apparently, it, I got my kidney transplant on December 8th. And she was saying that my insurance changed. And they were not going to cover it. That last year, they would have. But not this year. And so I was expecting to leave paying nothing. And at that time, we all know how high steroids make us crazy. I just kind of lost it. I was crying. I was yelling at her. I told her to get the heck out and... It was bad. I just didn't see it coming, and it just floored me. Well, and it's amazing how much you learn, too, of, hey, bill me, you know. Yep. And just the whole don't don't let, yes, be prepared for all of it, but don't let it stress you out all night long either, you know. Just yeah. be prepared. Be, know what you're going into. And, like, follow up right before the surgery. Make sure that your insurance is still the same. Yep, and if they say no, make sure you get a pre-approval, get them asking why you're not covering this, because it could just be we need to ask the question this way, or we need to label it under this, and, oh yeah, it's all 100% covered if we would have... Or just a pre-authorization, just simple little things. Yep. Alright, so this one kind of goes into the... Pretty much everything we've been talking about. Wish I would have known to not be so timid mm-hmm. and to speak up for yourself and become your own advocate. Yeah. So anybody who goes into kidney failure, I don't care what your age is, what you do for a career, you know, <clears throat> this is terrifying. And you feel like you have no choices anymore and you're just to be told what to do and you do it. And... I think that is such a natural response. The more I talk to people, the more I realize that those first couple years, we're just doing what we're told. And that can be a problem. Just like with that fistula, I wish I would have known I could talk to my doctor like a human being and say, listen, I want the best option for me. 
And mm. if you're not giving it to me, then I'll go talk to somebody else who will. Yeah, not what's going to be easiest for you on the on the uh, soju table. Yeah. What is going to be best for me. Yeah. And and that <laughs> that goes into also where you have to be your own advocate when, when you're talking to insurance companies, when you talk yeah. to doctors. And... I am actually, you know, I, I, I'm covered in tattoos, I'm bald head, I look like a biker, but I'm actually a very timid, timid guy, I think, until I get on the phone with the insurance companies. It's so true. And I turn into a raging, you fill it in. But I, I, and I feel bad because I even tell the lady as she picks up the phone, I'm like, I'm about to rip your head off and call you every name in the book so that you transmit to your supervisor. And the lady even go and the lady even says on the phone, I'm sorry, so I can't transfer you to my supervisor. What can I help you with? I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, here we go. Because you are not going to be able to help me. I've been on the phone for twelve hours being transferred around. And the only way I can and and honestly, the only way I've found to get a supervisor is if I scream at this lady and she goes, hey, so I'm going to transfer you my supervisor. And then she catches on. She's like, good job. Good you got job. me. You got me. And, and I'm like, could you put in the notes? Just transfer me to your supervisor. Because we had this big old <coughs> deal where after 36 months of being on ESRD, Medicare becomes primary. Yeah. No matter what. And since Nobody I have. Nobody knows yeah, that. Since I have private insurance, I had to lead. The insurance pages were page by page and paragraph on page 152 states that. And I have to tell them, no, go to your claims, go to your benefits, go to page 152. It's actually internet page 16 or whatever. And they're like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I know. So stop making the computer systems fight like we're the only people that have ever been through this yeah i mean there's there's thousands upon thousands of people on dialysis and it's like every time we call insurance companies we're the first people that have ever experienced something and like it's really easy when you're sick it is really easy to give up and just be like forget it i can't battle these calls and i i really would recommend reach out to a loved one and just ask them, hey, I can't handle this, but I have to get these medications. I have to get these bills covered. And just ask if they'll help. Because usually everybody wants to help. We just don't ask them for it. Okay. And I'm going to let you expand on this one. Be better to my caregiver. Mom, nurses, you yeah. are just so mad. Yeah. When I first went into kidney failure... It was all about me. I was miserable. I was sad. I lost my job. I lost the ability to drive. Like it was all about what I was going through. And and I think I was not able to see past that darkness to realize that I had loved ones who were stepping in and they were helping me with things. And I took all my anger and frustration out on them. To this day, I don't think I can ever apologize enough to my mother for all the times I just ripped into her because I was just miserable. And so I think that's something you have to pay attention to. Kidney disease is not a solo journey. All the people around you 
they're going through things too. It may be different, but they're still going through it. Say, and we can we can kind of expand <laughs> on that. We can kind of expand on that with the uh, on the caregiver side. Remember that they're sick, and they might just be having a bad day. You know, there's there's so many people on the group where occasionally they'll lash out, and it's totally not like them. And I will send them a private message back. Hey, how are your numbers? What's going on? You know, and and tell me. And maybe they're just buttheads that day. But maybe it is something else. So, I want to tell you I'm sorry. Because I am the typical husband that just snaps at his wife. And sometimes she just doesn't deserve it. But sometimes she does, though. So... Just remember that, too. Like, never. Uh, most of the time, because you're an ass just like every, every other female. Ugh. Oh, too much? Maybe? Okay, we're going to continue on. All right, there is treatment that you can still live on and feel good, and that you can adjust your recipe to feel better if needed. Yeah, that's like a big one, is I think we're told dialysis is one set thing. And that, again, is basically going home going and getting a transplant you know one of these is going to work for each one of us so don't accept something that's not working for you yep and same thing of yes dialysis sucks it just does nobody likes being stuck with needles nobody likes being stuck to a machine but you should be feeling okay-ish now, you're not, it's not rainbows and butterflies. Yeah, nope. But if you are not, if you're not feeling good, talk to someone about your recipe. Yep. Find and out. Sometimes, sometimes something's going wrong and you just don't want to complain about what's happening or you pull a Christina and blame yourself. Or your caregiver. Hmm. Yeah. Anyways. That's a new so, one. So, <laughs> but yeah, just. Just, if you're not feeling good, talk to your team and be like, okay, are we taking off too much? Are we not taking off enough? You know, stuff like that. Um, The next one is, I wish I didn't always blame myself for symptoms I was having, thinking what I did to do to cause this. Yep, that's that's a big one for me. I've actually, when I was doing PD, I was having a lot of abdominal pain. I went to the gastrointestinal doctor so many times and they just never found anything never found anything so I was like well it must be something I'm doing so I stopped trying to make it better I just dealt with the problem I had so much pain I was just literally getting by day to day was it was brutal but I Mm -hmm. thought it was because something I was eating or something I was doing and then I end up finding out I have abdominal adhesion and my intestines have been sticking together the entire time and tearing apart. Yep. And, uh, I mean, I, you know what? We're just going to talk about it. There is a process that we started. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Hydrocolon sure. therapy. It's basically where you get new inside sprayed out. It's like a colonics. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And it was the advice from, the, from someone on the group that said, yes, we do this. And it works. Talk to your team. Because if you're doing in-center, you cannot adjust fluids as much. Yep, it's true. it is possible if you are having constipation issues where you're just so blocked up, you're miserable, 
Yeah, which is dialysis, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Reach out. Reach out and ask those questions, especially about the hydrocolon therapy and yeah. stuff. I had you my know. third treatment this week, and I am telling you, I feel like a different person. And honestly, she's acting like a different person, too. I mean, it is just night and day. So, I mean, teach the loan. It's a it's yeah. a medical procedure. We got permission from our mm-hmm. doctors beforehand. So, talk to your team. Talk about what's going to happen. If you're going to have to take off additional fluid, less fluid. You know, it. honestly, we haven't had to adjust much. We haven't much, had to change really but, anything. Uh, yeah. There are other options. And speak up. I mean, it got so bad with her stomach that I camped out at her gastro doctor's office. <laughs> and when I talked to her, it was, well, I want you to take this and then I need you to drink 32 ounces of Gatorade. I'm like, would you stop? She's dialysis. She can't drink all that. And she's like, oh, yeah. You know, and, and it's... You shouldn't have to ask the question a million times to get the answer. Yeah. Get a second opinion. Get a third opinion. That's when you finally started trying cannabis for pain. Yeah. And I, I was just in so much pain every single day. And, and I was just forcing myself to deal with it Yeah. and live. And that's, not, that's something not to be afraid of either. There are all other medical options, whether it's natural, whether it's prescription, whether it's whatever. I think we kind of forget that when we're stuck in this cycle because we do what our doctors told tell us. We take the meds, you know, because we want to be better. And sometimes there is a natural option that will actually help you as well. Yep. So that goes into the next thing. I wish I would have known more about the side effects of medicine. Oh. Um, this one actually hits, hits close to home with us. What was the water pill? What is it called again? Lasix. Lasix. Okay, not many people know that Lasix has a side effect effect where it destroys those little tiny hairs in your ear. And it's what I found out what made my sister deaf. Yeah. yeah, She was on them almost all the time. And my mom found out that, yeah, it's one of those side effects. And and, and we, we mentioned it probably two years after. She started using it, and my mom was like, oh, be careful with that. It causes the little hairs to be destroyed. And at the time, like, right. I was saying, what? But, exactly, what? Because she wears hearing aids now. Now, could have we stopped that? Maybe. Yeah. But knowing the side effects of, you know, Google that stuff, try to find out, because once we found out that it does cause hearing loss, so many people have complained about, you know, healing loss after taking that stuff. Yeah. And it's and probably my fault. I've always joked my whole, well, since I lost my eyesight that I'm deaf, dumb, and blind. So I probably brought it on myself. But it's nice to know your options. It's nice to know this medication can cause this. So if this starts getting worse, come in and talk. What did you say? Which one? No, just kidding. All right. So oh. <laughs> that, uh, all right. So the next one, that no matter what, get a second opinion. Always. I do not care how much you like your doctor. I do not care how how great you think he is. He's human and makes mistakes. It's so true. These doctors are not infallible. And I can guarantee you that the doctor is not going to care that you get a second opinion. In he's fact, not even he's probably know. great about it. Yeah. And and honestly, if you do get a second opinion, you can still go talk to the original doctor and say, Hey, you I right. heard about this. 
what do you think about this? And or just Dr. So-and-so said he came back with the same response and what do you think the best treatment option is going to be? At least then you you have a little power. And we've actually had it happen where we've walked in like, hey, what about this though? We've heard about this. And, and second opinion can be on the group. It could be on doctors. It could be yep. nurses. Because lots of people will reach out and be like, hey, have you heard about this before? And I've went into the doctors and went, hey, what about this? And it gets them thinking, hmm, you know what? Maybe we will try that. Yeah. And it might not work, but it <laughs> might actually work. And so, sometimes it might be an ER visit. Yep. You know, if you know something's wrong and you're just being told nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong, push it. Go to the ER and just say, hey, there's something wrong. I'm mm. not leaving here until you find it. Yep. And that goes into the next one. Doctors are human and they make yep. mistakes just like the rest of us. I think it's interesting because when I was a kid, um, and maybe it was a little bit more of a naive world, but I thought that doctors knew everything. The president was like the most clean, honest, trusting man. Like I was raised to respect these people, listen to what they say, and that is wonderful, but they are still human beings. And, you know, it's it's kind of like with, my profession, I have to triple stamp, quadruple stamp, and my my job, people die if I don't check my stuff yep. over and over again. And there's been numerous times where I have walked up on somebody like, oh, hey, what are you doing? You're mixing that opposite or you're not heating it to the right temperature. And it's like, oh my gosh, I, I didn't even notice. And, and, and honest, you know, we all have tired moments. We all have exhausted yeah. moments. And maybe that doctor is just in a fog, but they're not Perfect. the almighty. And like, so if you think about them. it, if you think about it, if you look inward and say, how many times have I messed up at work? Well, I've never messed up. So, uh-huh. I hear but, it all the time from you. Uh, yeah. But again, it's, it kind of goes back to what my mom has always told me. Ask the question three times because they're going to really think about it on the third time. And, like, just remember that, like, yes, your doctor's incredible, but he's a, he or she is just a tool. Your nurses, they're a tool. And it's kind of like how I figured out that transplant was not going to be my cure-all. You know, like, a doctor, they may know something about one category, just phenomenal, but they may not know another one. So understand that you need to speak up and go see other doctors if you're questioning. Because that doctor really doesn't know what's going on in your body. Yep. All right. So the next one that we've been asked a lot, <clears throat> that knowing your numbers, if you are being taken too low, you will know that. Yes. So I know in center, um, you have a dry weight and that dry weight is kind of solid, you know. Like, you go in each day, and they get you to that dry weight, and they move you on out. But when we're at home, our weight, well, even in center, our weight fluctuates. So if you're trying for a dry weight that you're not at, you're going to feel miserable. And the thing is, at home for me, I, I pay attention to my blood pressure, and as soon as I see it dropping, I know, guess what, I need to... Turn off that fluid because I'm going to feel horrible if I keep going. See, and I'll expand on that a little too. First off, 
you always lose weight. You never gain weight. Huh. But watch watch your <laughs> dry weight because they, there can be little things where, like, she just doesn't feel good for a couple of weeks and she stops going to the gym. Yeah. So then her dry weight drops actually significantly because m- muscle loss is significant sometimes. Yeah. And you can jump from three to four kilos just in a couple of weeks just from not going to the gym or that you don't feel good. So you're not eating you're as not much. You're not eating, yeah. And or going on a liquid diet because yeah. sometimes that's important before surgery. <clears throat> or the fact that you've had so many surgeries. You know, yeah. that your your weight is going to change. And that goes into the next one, that running you on treatment is so important. And we, we run our numbers more on blood pressure than we do anything else. Yeah. So we, we kind of start off treatment in mid-range of what we're going to take off. You know, we pay attention to what the kilos are and stuff like that and that's just you know and how she's feeling how her legs are feeling if she feels she's retaining Heavy. the fluid yeah you know that there will be days where she's just like i need you to max that machine okay cool so i max that machine out of what we're allowed and depend and we actually have an agreement there is a certain blood number. pressure number that i stop pulling and i have had to tell christina no matter what, if it hits this, we stop pulling. We have to agree. Because Christina right. Christina has been brainwashed too. I need a pull. I need a pull. I need yeah. a pull. And I have had to tell her, listen, I can tell night and day of when you pull too much and your blood pressure's hit this, that you, the next day I know you're gonna, it's just going to be miserable. Yeah. And like I said, we made the agreement. When your blood pressure hits this number, we stop pulling fluid. And like, I think like when we're at home, we learn these things. We're taught these things. But when you're in center, you're not. So if you're in center, communicate with your nurses and your techs and say, what's my blood pressure at? What speed are we running at right now? Like, are we still pulling fluid? How much fluid has it pulled? Like, communicate with them and be a part of that and say, hey, I'm not feeling great. You need to turn that fluid off. And, you know, you may even need to turn the pump down. Like, it, every situation is going to be different. But communicating with them and asking them questions hopefully will help it so you don't drop. So you don't get all irritable and gross and sweaty and nauseous and black out. And nobody wants to experience these things. Cramps alone are just horrible. Yeah, and same with that. If they are giving you a medication or fluid or something, ask what they're giving you. Yep, always. You know, I won't go into what the podcast is we were listening to, but it's freaking amazing. So reach out and I'll tell you. But it has to do with, I know it's going crazy and giving medicine when when it's actually not medicine, but just whatever when she wasn't supposed to. Yeah. So if you see a nurse going over or someone just going over and asking the question, wait, what is that medication? What is that? And it might just be, oh, you're, it's heparin. So you don't clot up. Oh, okay, cool. How much are you giving me? Yeah. You know, and just make a mental note of that. But all right. So. This was some of the we could we could go on about this for days because yep. honestly everybody has that God I wish I, I would have known I that. I would have known. 
And so that's why the group is amazing because we have all of these young, young new dialysis kidney patients that are asking questions that a lot of us old-timers are like, what? You're dumb. I can't believe you don't know that. When well, we don't think they're honestly, dumb. We don't think they're dumb. Well, no, but quite a few people will be like, hey, you should know this. I'm like, oh, no, okay, they shouldn't. This, this is, is all brand go. new. You know, it's like Keely that said, my doctor just never ran the test. the test for kidney. And that made me realize, I don't think I have ever had my kidneys tested. Yeah, and so and, honestly, on that page, that's exactly what we started this for. Yep. For the whole, like, I wish I would have known. Heaven forbid someone's on the page and they hear about Keeley's story and they're like, whoa, I got high blood pressure. I'm going to go get my kidneys mm-hmm. checked. Or, you know, like, how phenomenal would that be to save those kidneys? Yeah, or my dad's been having high blood pressure for a couple of weeks. I'm like, okay, get in there and get checked. Because mm-hmm. it could be the littlest thing that saves your kidneys or saves anything you know yeah. because high blood pressure there's so much more with kidneys those strokes those seizures those everything that ties into that and so, I, I truly feel like there has to be a reason why i've gone through all of this and that reason is to help the next generation so i think all of us vets all of us like dialysis lifers we should be responsible for helping these this new generation and I don't care what age they are just this new generation to hopefully do better than we did okay and I'm gonna kind of end this with uh I am sorry I've been a butthead it is my daughter's birthday that's coming up and I have been an emotional wreck like a female just off end and just yelling and I have just been a butthead so I am sorry, but just like you, you have bad days, I have bad days, and I am sorry. I understand. Mm-hmm. And so this is Mike. And Christina. Peace out. No? We're not going to say peace out? No, I don't like that. What? Then what do you want to say? sound like a juvenile. All right. Goodbye. <clears throat> sure. That's great. All right. Goodbye. Okay, this uh, movie is called Pearl. I can't say it very good. It's spelled P-E-A-R-L. Yeah, I know. But here are the previews that were before it. Marvel's Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Of course, it looks great. It's Marvel, so it's going to be amazing. And I hope they pay a good homage to Chadwick Bosman. So, all right, Something in the Dirt. This was weird. It's some movie about a supernatural and looks weird, but I don't know what's the first preview I've ever seen of it. But it looks interesting. Halloween ends. And, of course, you know, Halloween's amazing. I love seeing those movies, so we'll definitely go see it. But it's just kind of weird because Jamie Lee Curtis is younger in this one. Yeah, I don't know. Um, then Triangle of Sadness. Um... Christina loves this show called Below Deck, and it's kind of reminds me of that. So, it's it looks like a movie where they're taking care of rich, spoiled people, and the boat stinks. So, or the boat sinks, and the story of them 
on the island or being said it's really weird but as uh harrison eddie harrison or whoever but it looks good um smile and of course that looks great and basically they see something and then die so it reminds me of the ring but it's gonna be a weird and i'm sure it's gonna have some stuff in it the inspection it's the story of a kid joining the marines and it's not like the typical kid that would join the marines so it's that kind of story of why you want to do this and stuff like that. And then, uh, of course, the stupid. Stupid, 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 stupid. So many times showed Nicole Kidman AMC commercial. So bad. Stop showing it. And here is the trailer for Pearl. Okay, so, uh, trapped on a family's isolated farm, Poe must tend to an ailing father. Sorry. Alright, Poe must tend to an ailing father under the bitter and overbearing watch of her devoted mother. Lusting for a glamour like life like she's seen in the movies. So, basically, she sees kind of a porno. And she's like, oh, I want to be that. It's weird. Poe finds her ambitions, temptations, and repressions all colliding in this origin, origin story of X. Iconic villain. So if you've seen the movie X, it's that movie where they rent the farmhouse and they film a porno. And yes, it sounds really bad, but it's actually... It was actually really scary and really freaky. 
but it's the origin story of the old couple that's in this movie. Um, this movie was absolutely crazy. If you have ever dated someone just that was batshit crazy, multiplied by a million, and this is that movie. It was every single scene you're like, no, she's not going to do that. No, she's not going to do that. And she does. So, Christina, what did you think of the movie? Okay, so I think officially people who are making movies right now are insane. This movie was bonkers. Um, I don't even know how to say how crazy this show was. Go see it because you have to see it. You have to see it because every single scene, you're just kind of looking at the person next to you like, no, she's not going to do that. This isn't happening. And <laughs> she does. Again, any <laughs> batshit crazy woman you've ever dated, multiplied by a million, this is that chick. So It's what, insane. Go watch it. While we're on it, what did you think of The Woman King? Oh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. All Anytime right. they empower women, like, I'm all for it. I think men are amazing and we know how powerful they are. But, oh, when women hold their own, that's amazing. All right. Peace out. Peace out. Hey, you did it. Okay, good. I can't good. believe I said Hey, guys. Welcome back to Christina's Crazy Corner. So, tonight, it's just me and Ty Ty. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Are you ready, lady? Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, let's do this. All right, so this week we're going to be talking about bizarre traditions from around the world. Oh my gosh, I am crazy excited. Yeah, some of these are actually really crazy. I was reading them, and some of them I don't even know how they're a thing. Oh my gosh, okay, I can't wait. Okay, so this first one is called Night Hunting in Bhutan. Okay. Known as the Bomania, as Bomania... In eastern parts of the Himalayan kingdom, young men looking for love and marriage set out at night for a different kind of hunt. (gasps) They break into the rooms of eligible spinsters and spend the night there. If caught, they have to marry the girl or work (gasps) in her father's fields as a punishment. Oh my gosh. Mm Mm-hmm. You're kidding me. Yeah. That's so romantic. I know, right? Just get caught underneath the bed. You gotta marry her. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's insane. I know. It actually is really debated today as women are subjected to violations and an invasion of privacy. Oh, okay. So it's very widely debated still nowadays. Ah, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That kind of makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Number two is Bull and Ant Gloves of the Satire Mali tribe. Okay. When boys of this Amazonian tribe come of age, they must prove their manhood in a tradition that's torturous and terrifying. The young men trap bullet ants, which are then drugged by a medicine man who places the deadly creatures in woven mitts. What? It is said the sting of a bullet ant can be compared to a bullet hitting the flesh. The young men then have to wear the mitts on their hands and dance for 10 minutes to take their mind off the pain. You are kidding me. Mm -hmm. Satire Mawe men have to go through this ritual at least 20 times in their lifetime. Why? 
Because apparently it proves that they're manly. <laughs> oh my gosh. I That's know. insane. It is insane. I feel bad. For and them. if you look at these mitts, they're like woven by leaves. Okay. So, like, they probably get out and go all over the body instead of just in the mitts. Oh, no. So, like, you die, basically. Oh, my god! You get bit by millions of, like, little bullets, basically. Oh, my gosh, that's awful. Yeah. Oh, that one's bad. Okay. So, the next one is Thai Puzam. Celebrated by Hindus in southern India and Southeast Asia, the festival of um, Taipusam observes the victory of Lord Murugan over an evil spirit. Oh, okay. Devotees pierce themselves with sharp objects through different parts of their bodies <gasps> while going into a complete trance. Some even go as far as pulling vehicles with hooks pierced to their backs. What? Yeah. They go, like, insane for that. Literally, there's a picture on here, and it looks like torture. Okay, wait. So, they pierce themselves and pull objects? Yeah. Sometimes they will put, like, hooks in their back Yeah. to pull objects with their skin. And that's, like, defeating a spirit? Yeah. It's, like, it's like a tradition where they... It's a festival to <gasps> celebrate... Like a lord overcoming an evil spirit. And that it, is so not my idea of a festival. Yeah, no, it's not a festival. It's freaking torture zone. Like, oh if gosh. you saw these pictures. I don't want to. I that know you just... don't want to see this picture, but it's awful. Crazy. But yeah, this guy has, like, needles everywhere. Okay, move on, move on, move okay, on. Okay, next one. Number four, bathroom ban after marriage. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so... Newly married couples of the Tidong community in Indonesia are prohibited from using the washroom for three days after their marriage. Why? Breaking the rules of the observation will bring bad luck in their married life, like stillbirth and death. Oh. So they believe that if you don't, if you shower. So if you are dirty for three days, then you'll you won't. have good luck? I, I guess. But relatives of the couple supervise them over the three days, after which they are bathed and may answer their calls of nature. Oh. What do we mean by answer their calls of nature? What do you think? Bathroom? Yes. They hold it for three days? Yeah. What? Yeah. I know. They hold it for three days. That's so bad on your kidneys. I know! But oh these people gosh. think it'll be bad luck. Oh, my gosh. More like insane. medical bills. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This one, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I, well, um, I guess go for it. Okay. Penis Festival, Japan. There's nothing wrong with saying penis, honey. I, no, but it, it, it's something. It's something. Uh, so, better known as the Kanamare Matsuri, devotees carry a large sculpture in the shape of a penis and parade through the streets of Kawaski in Japan. It's said that the demoness with vaginal teeth seduced men to their deaths until <laughs> temple priests... 
I can't even read it fully oh without my laughing. Gosh. I can't even read it fully. I need to restart that sentence. <laughs> it is said that a demoness with vaginal teeth seduced men to their deaths until temple priests used a metal dick to destroy her deadly secret weapon. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> this is like a current thing? <laughs> It's very current. You can see the oh picture. Oh my god. If you see the picture, it is absolutely the funniest thing you will ever see in your life. That is crazy. But also, side note, several sex workers take part in this festival to pray for good health and protection from STDs. Well, why not, you know? I know, right? And if, if you the saw opportunities there. It's bright pink too. This picture, oh they're all wearing pink, and it's like bright pink. Well, that's something. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's crazy. So crazy. This one really kills me, man. I was reading through this one, and I just started laughing <laughs> my butt off. With vagina teeth. Yeah, vaginal oh teeth. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but this one, this one's awful. Oh no. Consuming the dead. <gasps> the Yanomami tribe who reside in the Amazon rainforest bordering, bordering Venezuela and Brazil are repelled by the idea of burying the dead. <gasps> okay. They believe that no physical trace of the body should be left in order to allow the spirit to rest in peace. Whoa. The ash and bone powder obtained after cremation is mixed into a plantain soup, which is consumed by the deceased family. By doing this, the Yanomami believe the soul of their lost and loved one will reside within, within them. So they literally eat every little piece oh of them, burn the rest that they can't eat, and then make it into a soup. Okay, so wait, 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 wait. Do they cremate them, like, right off the bat? No. They, they eat the meat. The flesh. They eat everything that they can eat. Like, I get, I get the idea. Yeah. yeah they eat it. Oh, yeah, and then everything that's left over that they can't eat, they burn it and put it into soup. a little soup for the family. <laughs> wow. A little soup for your loved ones after you die. <laughs> yeah, that that is, that's a lot. It is a lot. Whoa. Uh, the next one, uh, it actually is um, kind of weird. Hmm. <laughs> Kind of has the same vibe. Okay. Oh, no. So, Femadia na Madagascar. Death is a time of sorrow and silence, even if it means visiting the grave of a loved one who passed away years ago. Not in the hot pl plateau of Madagascar, though, because July and September witness um, witnesses the custom of Femadiana, the turning of the dead, Involves in exhuming the remains of deceased relatives and rewrapping their bones in fresh cloth. So they literally keep their loved ones. So they, yeah, they literally they unbury them, unbury them, reclothe them, okay, and then wrap them back up in linens. Wow. So they literally. But here's more to it. 
So relatives also take time to ask their dead ancestors for blessings and things they might need in the world of the living. While this is not spooky, it is described by many travelers as more of a party with plenty of rum to go around. Some revelers dance to tunes from the accordion along with remains of the dead. So they take all their loved ones, ask them for blessings, and then make it like a whole celebration that their ancestors died. (laughs) Well, well, at at least that one sounds kind of fun. This one, honestly, I freaking cried. I, I almost cried at this one. I was like, oh my god, what if something bad happened? Toddler Uh tossing in (gasps) India. Oh my gosh. In some parts (gasps) of Gujarat, Mahasaratra, and Karnataka, toddlers are tossed from the roof of temples. (gasps) Oh my gosh. 15 to 30 feet above the ground and are caught by a blanket held by the devotees. (gasps) This practice is age old and is said to bring good luck to the child. It is a traumatic ordeal for the toddler and child rights activists ban managed to ban it in 2011. Okay. However, devotees continue to practice it in 2012. In 2012. So they kept doing it even though... I wonder if it's still going. Well, I don't know. It might be. Holy moly, that's crazy. It could possibly be still going. Oh my gosh, who would ever say, like, sure, throw my kid off of that? I know, and, like, seeing the pictures, it's absolutely, looks like they're throwing, like, (laughs) like, they aren't even throwing kids. Like, they're holding them by their hands and feet. Are you kidding? Yeah, this one picture. It's awful. I know. That's sad. Uh, this one, oh my god, this one freaking, (laughs) ugh. Okay, I don't like this it. one. Tooth filing. Bali. <sighs> well, most of us file our nails, Balinese men and women have to f- have their teeth filed in preparation for marriage. What? Smooth teeth are symbolic of control on sinful emotions like lust, greed, anger, and jealousy. These mark of a passage into adulthood and is an extremely grueling and painful experience. So literally, you're in your wedding dress. <gasps> or wedding like outfit and you're getting your teeth filed down so like the day of your wedding yeah and oh they're getting smooth like you know how you use them to like bite down chomper chomper hard yeah they're smoothing them out oh my gosh and they do this to husbands as well right yes men and women wow so it isn't for something else <laughs> oh my gosh yeah it's awful Oh, I, I want my teeth flattened. I don't want my teeth touched in general. I don't want them to get drilled. I don't want anything to happen to my teeth. What do they use to file? They use a literal file. Like a nail file? Like, not like a nail file, but like an actual, like, you know, like, big files. It's not like a nail file, but it's something. Like a, a the something. Hand? Oh, no, you know, like those files that you can rub against, like, fruits and vegetables? And it gets their skin off. Oh, yeah, yeah. They use those. That's what it looks like in this picture, at least. Oh, my gosh. That hurts me. It's awful. Oh, my gosh. Okay, this last one. Okay. Um, Jarawul Festival. Uh, A pageantry of beautiful and talent is something that has been used to evaluate a woman's worth since time immemorable. 
However, in the Wadabi tribe, it's the men who have to be all prim and proper. About time. <laughs> the courtship festival known as Garwal is where men dress up in all their finery and appear in front of the women to show them what they've got. Uh. They take part in a dance competition called Yaki, where the winners are chosen based on their overall good looks and dancing skills. Oh my gosh, good looks play a part too? Yeah, I've actually seen this before. I actually watched this um, documentary about it. It was a little video, and it was actually talking about their tribe, and it actually seemed like a really fun funny time really yeah they literally were just dancing and then the women got to pick out the men that they wanted <laughs> so what happened if two women picked the same man well they probably one of them would pro- eventually back down and be like okay i'll go for another one yeah or I they want- just wouldn't pick one i wonder if there's some type of status involved i don't know maybe there i'm sure there is status like people like higher up get to choose first you know yeah yeah. Well, that's crazy. I know, it is crazy. Yeah. But, I don't know, people do crazy stuff, but I guess it's what they're used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're used to crazy. I'd say the most craziest one was still the freaking first one, man. What one was that one? Remind me. They break into their rooms. Oh, yeah. And hide. That and is they caught, crazy. If they get caught, they have to marry the woman or work in the father's field like what oh my gosh i wonder if they get an option like you marry her or you work in the field you choose maybe maybe not it really depends on the person i guess gosh what if they like do they scout out these girls beforehand like do they know which eligible female is in there well yeah they're eligible men they're gonna check out females (laughs) (laughs) i guess that's a good point yeah all right well Thanks, Tyler. That was an awesome, awesome category. I know. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.